My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. Working in Haiti requires waiting, getting your residency permit, going to the bank, paying your internet bill. Haitians have incredible patience. It was something I thought I had before I moved to Haiti. I quickly realized that I had a lot of patience for an American, which is to say, I didn't really have much. In our first month in Haiti, my wife and I would become so frustrated with waiting at places that our minds nearly exploded. Everywhere we went, there were arbitrary rules and long waits for no apparent reason. The home we had rented was supposed to be ready when we moved to Haiti. Instead, there was still construction going on for well over a month after we got there. We shipped a used car into the country, and it sat in the port for 11 months while we waited for a functionary to sign some forms. And of course, if you try to do something about it, like go over the heads of a worker, you are unceremoniously plopped to the back of any line or process. Slowly, slowly, we developed the ability to wait. We had no other choice. Let me give you an everyday example. I used to go to the bank from time to time. It's very dangerous in Haiti. Everyone knows that banks are frequently the target of armed robbery. Our own bank was attacked by men spraying the crowd with automatic weapon fire not long ago. As you arrive, you walk past a guard and enter the queue. Some people inexplicably jump the line. Perhaps they know the cashier. You wonder, but if you say anything, you'll be asked to leave. You are not allowed to take your cell phone out even for a second. They're afraid that you might use it to signal people on the outside. The cashiers move slowly, customer after customer. Everything is cash. Bit by bit, you shuffle forward. After an hour, it is finally your turn. You're ready. And yet, more often than not, the paperwork is incorrect. Or more likely, there is an additional, necessary form that was never publicized. And with that, you are abruptly cast off, told to come back the next day. The cashier stops making eye contact with you. You leave the bank furtively, looking around to make sure a motorcycle is not following you to attack your car and rob you. You gird yourself to go through the entire process the next day. We in Haiti are used to waiting, and often for no discernible reason. We wait at supply depots. We wait whenever we go to a government building. We wait for health care. We wait for the government to pave a road. And do not think that we are okay with waiting because we have nothing else to do. For many, Haiti is a daily struggle for life. There are thousands of items pressing on us, and yet we have no choice. Waiting at the bank is important, but there are other, even more crucial times where we must wait. Our patients show up to the Laspati Moon Clinic at 7.30 in the morning and queue up. As in most of the world, there are no appointments. Patients will sit and wait calmly for six hours to see a physician. They may have three other children waiting at home with no childcare. In hospitals, a more urgent situation, this scene is played out again. Patients in fear and need forced to wait long hours because there are not enough physicians. As I describe this to an American, it's hard for them to understand. Our first instinct always is to correct the situation, to work on the system. And that's a worthy goal. There's no denying that. And something we should all be striving for. But this podcast is not about system changes. I want to talk more about our inner selves. How do we deal with situations where we are forced to wait and we have no control? I want to paint a picture for you. 
It's the best situation I can come up with to put you in the shoes of a person waiting in Haiti. As I describe it, I want you to put yourself, as an American, in the situation. Imagine how you would feel. How would you react? And then imagine how your friends, colleagues, and neighbors would react. So you are walking into the DMV. It's time for your annual car registration. You recently received a notice in the mail that it's time. Your birthday is coming up. The letter says that starting this year, renewals will have to be in person. You can't do it online. No reason is given. You drop off your children with your parents. You drive the long distance. As you queue up to enter the building, there's a man at the door. As each person enters, he is writing your name and tag number. He doesn't offer an explanation as to why he's doing this. As soon as this is recorded, you can enter the waiting room. As you walk in, a wave of heat greets you. It's hot. There's no air conditioning. You're told it's broken. In the room, a woman says that everyone will need to wait. The processor for the paperwork will be there in 30 minutes. But because it's a government building, the use of cell phones, even for texting or browsing, is prohibited. Everyone must wait quietly. Someone inevitably asks for the manager. The clerk points to the wall and says that the manager is behind the door, but he's on important phone calls all morning and is unavailable. Someone asks if they can come back later. The clerk tells the group that the man outside already took your name and tag number. If you leave, you'll need to pay a large late fee for registration. Someone asks if the clerk can just start the registration herself. I'm not trained to do that, she responds. You wonder, what exactly is her purpose here? There are four or five chairs and some 20 Americans waiting. Every 25 minutes or so, someone asks the clerk when the desk will open. Over and over for three hours, she says that it will be 30 minutes more. Around midday, the clerk tells everyone that the processor can't make it today, and everyone will need to return tomorrow. As you hear that story, how are you feeling? How are you reacting? While this is obviously a made-up simulation, a situation of this type would not at all be out of the ordinary in Haiti or many parts of the world. And we did not even add the dangerous elements, as is the case in many Haitian contexts. Let's say everyone had to drive to the most dangerous part of town to come for this renewal, and their car is parked in a lot where car thieves are rampant. And you know that you'll have to face it again tomorrow. My question is how you would react to the inconveniences that don't make sense. No one is saying that bureaucracy is a good thing. That is certainly not my point. And I struggle to create a scenario for Americans. We can hardly even listen to the whole story without thinking of how to change the system. But put yourself in the shoes of a poor Haitian who has no power whatsoever to advocate for change. In fact, if they speak out, they'll be put at the end of the line. But I love this scenario. The idea that the manager is right there, behind the door, almost within reach. The inexplicability that writing your name down on a paper while entering would lock you in, restrict your freedom. That the time would change regularly. That the management did not plan for enough chairs. And then, of course, the kicker of all kickers for Americans, no phones for purely arbitrary reasons. Again, the purpose of this exercise is not to find the problems in the system. My question is a heart position. How is your patience? How are you at accepting annoyances, things that throw you off your schedule? I was reading a book from a foreign correspondent in Africa. He wrote about watching a group of people waiting for a bus. And I think this description is applicable not just to Africa, but also to Haiti, much of Asia, South America, basically everywhere other than the hectic bustle of the United States. He noted that people often entered a common and well-trodden mental state, the state of waiting. 
I'm going to quote here. What does this dull waiting consist of? People know what to expect. Therefore, they try to settle themselves in as comfortably as possible, in the best possible place. Sometimes they lie down. Sometimes they sit on the ground, or on a stone, or squat. They stop talking. A waiting group is mute. It emits no sound. The body goes limp, droops, shrinks. The muscles relax. The neck stiffens. The head ceases to move. The person does not look around, does not observe anything, is not curious. Sometimes their eyes are closed, but not always. More frequently, they are open, but appear unseeing, with no spark of life in them. I have observed for hours on end crowds of people in this state of inanimate waiting, a kind of profound physiologic sleep. They do not eat. They do not drink. They do not urinate. They react neither to the mercilessly scorching sun nor to the aggressive, voracious flies that cover the eyelids and lips. What, in the meantime, is going on inside their heads? I don't know. Are they thinking, dreaming, reminiscing, making plans, meditating, traveling the world beyond? It is difficult to say. End quote. Interesting. This description sounds familiar. Going into a state where you are neither sleeping nor speaking. You simply are. It sure sounds a lot like meditation. Except we Americans, we do it differently. We work nonstop days. We've built systems that prevent any inconveniences and thus allow us to avoid that ever-feared state, waiting. And then, at the end of a long week or a long month, we go to a studio for our allotted 30 minutes and attempt to empty our minds, to meditate, to pray. And we struggle mightily. We have switched from the go-go mindset that we have pushed for 167 and a half hours of the week to 30 minutes of calm. Surprisingly, it doesn't work very well. Please, please do not take this as a call to celebrate bureaucratic nightmares. I love the efficiency of American businesses and processes. I yearn for Haitians not to be forced to endure inefficient systems. Also, this is not a call for us to leave our work and live in a commune and appreciate the beauty of a dandelion for hours on end. It's just an observation, and a rather obvious one at that. As we have become increasingly efficient, there are no longer regular times when we're forced to practice patience. Like any skill, it is atrophied. We have lost any tolerance for things that don't go our way, especially when they don't make logical sense. We know this. I'm not saying anything you can't see from watching the interaction of a flight attendant with a passenger or a customer service representative with an irate client. And yet, for myself, shuttling back and forth between the United States and Haiti, it's hard to ignore. Seeing a Haitian patient wait for hours calmly to see a doctor while an American melts down when his coffee order takes more than seven minutes, you cannot help but reflect. In our hustle-bustle world, how can we regain our endurance? Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.